Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. On August the 6th, 1945, during World War II, an American B-29 bomber dropped the world's first deployed atomic bomb over the Japanese city of Hiroshima. The explosion wiped out 90% of the city and immediately killed 80,000 people. Tens of thousands more would die later of radiation exposure. Three days later, a second B-29 dropped another A-bomb on Nagasaki, killing an estimated 40,000 people. And here we are in 2018, and how much have you learned? So I'm not going to talk about Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the evil that we can do as humankind. But every year we do place something on the altar to remind us. There's also a photograph of a wonderful, wonderful lady, Sakura Sumida, whom I met in 2014 or 15 uh, at a nursing home here in New York City. So the first time I met Sakura, you know, I, kn- I just knew we were going to be friends. You know, you know that when you meet someone. And, uh, so I was chaplaining at the time, so it must have been maybe 2010. I don't know, sort of a while ago. And um, actually, they had asked; she had asked for a Buddhist chaplain. So I went to the nursing home, and here I am, you know, in my robes and six foot tall, whatever, and this little lady came shuffling down the corridor you know, with her walker, this little Japanese lady, and I was like, wow, there was just something about her that was incredibly special, just something. Of course, over time, I began to, and I realized what that was. She was 86 when I met her. And her parents came to the States in the early 1900s. So she was born here. Um, So her parents and her older siblings came here. And um, so the rest of her family were actually wiped out in Nagasaki. In 1942, they were interred, interned in a camp in Arizona, at the out, just at the outbreak of the Second World War. So there were four children, including Sakura and her parents in this internment camp. Sakura's father actually died in the camp. 
And after the war, her mother went back to Japan and became a nun. She couldn't handle living in the United States anymore and felt that she needed to go home. So the children stayed here. Sakura and her siblings became American citizens and lived the rest of their lives here. After her time in the internment camp, she would have been a young woman then. She went to live in Los Angeles, where she met Nyogen Sasaki, really great uh, lay sensei, really great lay teacher. He came to the United States in 1905, lived in Los Angeles, and then he was also interned in a camp in Wyoming. And then after the war, he moved to Los Angeles. So imagine these two people, right, finding each other. Little Sakura, a yogan teacher, teacher, lay teacher, both interned in the camps, both in California, both Wyoming and Arizona, and ending up in Los Angeles. Uh, Niyogen Sasaki, Sasaki was a very um, down-to-earth teacher, just no frills, just thought it like it is. He was much beloved and just known for his ordinary dharma. And you could see how that manifested in Sakura. Very simple, no frills. The staff at the, the nursing home, from the aides to the nurses, were really in love with her. You know, she was uh, alone in the city. But her remaining relatives I think his siblings had moved back to uh, Japan, and they were, they were older, a couple of years older than her, maybe one young girl, one had died. So there was nobody here. But she was alone in the city, and yet so alive in herself, this little old lady shuffling along. And the staff loved her. And every time she shuffled past a room, she would slightly bow. To everyone else on the floor of this nursing home, everyone else interned in the camp. Shuffle, 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 bow. Shuffle, 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 bow. Such beauty, such being who she was. <coughs> the staff, one of the staff members, the nurse on duty, said, we've all learned how to be polite. How to take the time to see each other. 
this little lady had modeled those two. Important teachings. How to be polite, how to respect each other, how to meet each other respectfully. And how to slow down, notice. been asked to speak up. It's another one of my Zen Master Raven stories. It's called The Joke. For those of you who, who don't know Zen Master Raven, uh, this is a collection of stories or teachings from Robert Aitken Roshi, and he compiled this uh, collection of, as I said, very, you know, very short, pithy teachings, and his sangha was the forest community. All the animals of the forest, porcupine, badger, gray wolf, uh, all the animals. And uh, so you can imagine all these animals in the forest sitting around, Zen Master Raven on his perch, giving these teachings. And sometimes these, the community sanghas would talk amongst themselves, as, they, as we do. So Porcupine was foraging near Still Pond and met Mallard unexpectedly. Porcupine explained, Mallard, I wanted to ask you something. It almost seems that you and Raven have a secret understanding of some, some kind. You and the teacher have some understanding that nobody else has. And Porcupine said, we know the same joke. <laughs> Can you let me in on it? Asked Mallard. It really doesn't amount to much, said Porcupine. Tell me, demanded Mallard. Mallard, Porcupine exclaimed, you aren't listening. It really doesn't amount to much, said Porcupine. Tell me, demanded Mallard. Porcupine explained, you aren't listening. He missed it. Doesn't amount to much. It's simply being who you are. It's nothing special. Porcupine was simply doing his thing, going her thing, she going off to the deli, wherever she was going, picking up stuff, you know, with a little spiky outfit on, a little spiky coat, going up to the shops, just minding a business, going about a business. And Mallard was like, what's going on with you and Sensei? I want to know, what's the joke? You're always like talking to each other, laughing. What's going on? What am I missing? 
monkey mindset? Not really much. Doesn't amount to much. Nothing special. But Mallard's convinced that there's some great secret, some great teaching that she's not, he's not getting. How are you totally in your life, not, not worrying about somebody else, what they're getting? Oh, they've got a different relationship. I wish I had that relationship. Why doesn't Asian like me as much as she likes Rasha? <laughs> <laughs> Daishi's always laughing when she's sitting next to David. But when I go up there, they stop laughing. Why? I want to know. We fill our minds with such stories all the time. And so what if Aishi prefers the company of Rasha? <laughs> I mean, really, who gives a shit? You know, they got their thing going. You do you, I'll do me. Right? How can I be okay with that? Is that okay? Of course. We're all doing it in the way that we do it. And if we do it with respect and dignity towards others, as at Sakura, on the floor, simply modeling respect and dignity, Bowing. Not really getting caught up in what's going on in the other rooms. Not getting caught up in what's going on around the nurses' station. All the pak 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 chata chata chata. She's like, hello, bow, hello, bow. How are you? Where's the focus? Sakura made a career in advertising here in New York. She was very successful. Imagine in advertising back in the day, I guess we're in the 70s and 80s now, this little tiny Japanese-American lady on Madison Avenue making a life for herself. She never married. She supported herself right, supported herself right up into her 80s until she was no longer able to take care of herself. And not wanting to be a burden on anyone, she checked herself into the nursing home. Just doing the next thing, taking care of herself, taking care of others, not wanting to be a burden. It was her style. It's not everybody's style, but that was her style. So we had many, many visits together over the course of about a year. And sometimes she would like, we'd, she'd come down the hall, we'd sit down for two minutes, and she'd be, sometimes she'd be in her wheelchair, 
not very awkward because she was very proud, and we'd sit and she'd be like this, sitting zazen, three, four minutes, she'd open her eyes and say, goodbye. <laughs> that was it. Goodbye. And I would say, oh, let me take you back. No. One of the, she'd wait for one of the aides to take her back to her room. We had many talks. She knew, of course, that I was a student. She didn't really talk, about, talk much about her relationship with Nyogen, but it's clear that there was a very deep connection for her. When she was transferred to Mount Sinai shortly before, her, before she died, I was appointed her healthcare proxy. As I said, there was only one distant relative in Japan, so she asked if I would be her healthcare proxy. So, of course, I said yes. And um, I asked her what she thought was the most important lesson she had learned. You know, I was so caught up in my meeting this really great Zen person, you know, 86, and here I am, this new chaplain. So what's the greatest lesson you've learned? And she said, Sakura will ultimately disappear. That was it. Sakura will ultimately disappear. And she did. Very peacefully. Mount Sinai. And Koshin and I scattered her ashes in Central Park under a tree. I remember asking, so what am I going to do with your ashes? She wanted to be cremated. She had money to take care of everything. What am I going to do with your ashes? And she said, put them in Central Park. And I said, that's illegal. And she was like, up the, ad, I mean, as I said, she's this tiny, tiny lady. And if you, I don't know if you've ever picked up anyone's ashes, anyone's cremains yet, but they're really heavy. You know, they're in a box this big. I was like, this weighs more than security when she was alive, <laughs> schlepping this box. And there's a lot of them, a lot of ashes. So Kosha and I kind of surreptitiously walking around Central Park, dumping them, <laughs> placing them, really kind of like tipping them out under trees. And, uh, and think about it, you know, when the next wind or the next rainstorm came to Central Park, Sakura ultimately disappeared. No trace. That was it. That's the last of Sakura. Today, um, this beautiful piece of calligraphy here 
um, we have a friend, Taisan, a Japanese uh, artist. He's doing a project for us. He's going to be painting some beautiful plates for us. And um, just ha so happened that he was here today. And I asked him, would he make this lantern candle for, for Hiroshima and Nagasaki? He said, yeah. And so he sat at the table there with a piece of blank paper. And he had his brush pen. And he put a blob of black ink on the palm of his hand, right? And then he held the pen, like this hand, and just sat there. For two minutes. Then he looked at the paper, put the pen into the ink, Totally, totally, totally in Tyson. Nothing else. In that moment, Tyson, Hiroshima, Nagasaki. And look how beautiful that is. And some could say it took him, what, five minutes? And what's the story? You know the story of Picasso, where he's in the in the cafe in Paris. Remember? Does anyone know, know that story? And there's, there's an American lady sitting across the cafe at another table, and Picasso is there sketching away. And uh, the lady walks over to him, and she said, "What? Do, what is that?" And he said, "It's a portrait of you." <laughs> and she said, "Well, I'd like to buy it." And he said. That'll be $20,000, something like that. And she said, what are you talking about? It took you like five minutes to draw it. And he said, no, it took my whole life to draw it. So she walked away. So that's kind of what I'm saying here. Tyson has taken his whole life to master this art of bringing himself into this moment I'd like to end with a poem by Nyogen Sensaki. And he wrote this in the camp on New Year's Day, 1944. <coughs> there is nothing more auspicious than the rising sun on New Year's Day in the exiled life. Within a hundred miles of this naked desert, not a thing comes to sight. 10,000 Japanese are here as American guests. What are they enjoying in the day? No one knows but themselves. A spring breeze of laughter swings out from each cell. There is nothing more auspicious than the rising sun on New Year's Day in the 
exiled life. Within a hundred miles of this naked desert, not a thing comes to sight. 10,000 Japanese are here as American guests. What are they enjoying in the day? No one knows but themselves. A spring breeze of laughter swings out from each cell.